Welcome, friends of the universe. We are Soul Women. We are three women exploring topics ranging from social advocacy, healing from trauma, and so much more. In each episode, we aim to have deep conversations while maintaining our unique perspectives in order to promote a lifestyle of inner peace, authenticity, vulnerability, and intentional living. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode with an open mind and an open heart. Hello all, welcome back to the Soul Woman Podcast. We're really happy to have you here. Today on episode 56, we get to have Amy Kay as our guest. Amy Kay is the CEO and creator of the event production company Beautiful Bipolar, where she curates healing, mental health, and wellness events that bring resources, peace, and support to the local community of New Orleans. She dives into the essentialness of community when it comes to individual self-care and mental health. She also explains her dynamic journey of getting to where she is now as a wellness leader. It feels so right and natural to have her on the podcast, and we're really excited for you all to hear and also fall in love with her like we have. All right, Amy Kay, welcome to the Soul Woman Podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you here. <laughs> Honestly, this is such like a beautiful thing because Amy, I can't remember like the first time that we met because you reached out to me. I did. It was actually at the show. Yeah. At that Gossa Gossa. The Sax Kicks Ave yeah. show. Yep. Yeah. And Amy just like waltzes over to me and I, you were wearing, I can't remember exactly what you were wearing, but I just remember you were walking over to me and I was like, this woman is beautiful. Like, she, like you had sparkles on your face and then <laughs> she's like talking to me like so casually and she's like complimenting me on my yoga. Like she already knew so much about me and I was like, oh my God, I am not prepared to be in this presence. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was a fan because I had seen... Um, your healing work and the work that you were doing in the world and because of the work that I'm doing in the world Mm -hmm. I really wanted to meet you and I thought that we could potentially collaborate or just talk about (laughs) these things (laughs) connect in a a way that that is important and real and yeah so I think that that was the first time we met Mm -hmm. so I'm really just happy to have her here and happy to share her journey with all of you who are listening, and with Mar too. Um, but yes. with, with that, I would love if you would just kind of tell people what your deal is, because I feel like you just have your hand in a little bit of everything. Yes. Uh, I, I, well, let's see. Um, so I am the founder and owner, uh, CEO, all those boss titles uh, beautiful bipolar and beautiful bipolar is an event production company that centers events around mental health healing and wellness but honestly more than anything we're really a community resource i sort of debated going back and forth about what i was actually going to call beautiful bipolar and event production company at least in its cur- that's its current iteration mm-hmm. and who knows exactly i mean i have a lot of plans for beautiful bipolar but currently it's it's an event production company but we we center community uh, more than anything and the reason why we center community is because i i personally just truly believe if we are taking care of each other we also take care of ourselves and I feel that with the way in which 
our world has been sort of evolving lately. Um, there, there, it seems to be sort of the opposite. And mm. I wanted to try and kind of reverse engineer that in my little tiny little like postage stamp of, of the planet that I, I occupy. Mm. And, um, and the main reason is that we need, we all need help. We all need, you know, it's, it's really hard to access mental health help here in New Orleans, whether it's professional therapeutic help or sometimes holistic help as well. Um, it's just, it's challenging. And I personally had had problems accessing mental health help for a number of years. And that was sort of the original idea where it started. Mm -hmm. um, how can I, how can I try and help this city and help my community? And so that was the sort of where that idea was born. And now we're here and I've been throwing events since May. We launched on Give Nola Day and threw a fundraiser for the Loyola Center for Counseling Education, um, which offers sliding scale therapy. And we made, we raised about $5,000 that day for the Loyola Center for Counseling That's Education. That's amazing. Yeah. How, did that, how did that feel as that, like that being your entrance and your baby kind of being shown into the world for it to have that, that, that sort of reaction? It felt it felt like home it felt mm. it felt mm. I was in the right place and I was doing what I was sort of meant to do at this stage in my life yeah I've done a lot of things uh leading up to this point in my life and it's been it's been a, a struggle for me to get to this this most recent stage in my life to figure out what I'm doing in the world what I'm going to be doing in the world and um, what my place is in this world. Mm -hmm. And when we threw that event, I knew, I knew that I was going to be, whether it was professionally as part of Beautiful Bipolar or just personally, I'm going to be doing this work for the rest of my life, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Uh, right now it's professional and hopefully that continues. That's the goal. But I'm going to be in this work for the rest of my life. And it was beautiful. I mean, we we organized it in less than two weeks, which is like a little in, overwhelming in to say about. Yeah. yeah, I got the green light from Loyola. We, we had sort of... Um, uh, the, Sarah, who was at the time uh, the head of, of the LCCE, she gave me the green light, I think, about 12 days before Give Nola Day and said, all right, let's make this happen. So I did it. I, you know, we did it. Uh, but it was it was beautiful. And it was, you know, it was a really interesting time because it was on May 4th. And it was literally, I would say it was on a Tuesday evening. Um, which is like the final day of Give Nola Day. That's the final day push where everyone, all the nonprofits say, you know, like, let's make this final push to raise as much money as we can. Um, but the timing of it was just when everyone was, most people were kind of coming out of like the final second round of vaccines. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it was, it was before Memorial Day weekend. That Memorial Day weekend was like the first weekend where everyone just went all out Crazy. right yeah it was intense but it was a few weeks prior to that and it was it was on a tuesday night so and it was very you know it was, it was sort of we we advertised this as like a mellow thing mm -hmm. and a mellow event where you can come and get some healing and it was the first time for so many people that they gathered like outside of their pods and that alone was really intense. Um, and we gathered safely mm -hmm. and we were able to do it in this really beautiful way. It was raining. 
and you know New Orleans in the rain, people, I mean, you, if it rains for 20 minutes in New Orleans, you might not, you might not get your car back because it's stuck in the middle of the street. I mean, for real, like, these are things that we really, yeah. we all have to deal with. And even in the rain, people came out and uh, we had hundreds of people come yeah. that night. And it was, it was just, it, it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It's been really amazing just to to see the events in person too like when Albert my partner and I would go and you just walk in and you immediately feel all of the good energy that comes from it because there's a lot of intention behind putting it together and you from what I've experienced even us talking you really do hand pick and like select really genuine people who know what their purpose is and and are willing to share their gifts with other people because there's a lot of it's gonna sound weird but there's a lot of like there's a lot of people who fake who fake it till they make it in the healing world and who are really great at at faking it in wellness but I feel like any person that you bring in I would automatically trust because you really do the work to get to know each of them I do and I, I it feels so good to get that feedback because um Look, none of us are perfect. <laughs> um, I, I've always considered my sort of sixth sense the ability to read people really well, and I think that's why I was such a good journalist, is that I, you know, when you are a journalist and you are constantly talking to people all the time and you're trying to, in very often short amounts of, of time and, and small, short interactions, suss out everything, you know, where is this person coming from? You know, when I'm a journalist, I'm walking up to them and I'm trying to convince them to talk to me. You know, what are they trying, what are they thinking about me? You know, what are they reading about me? And then what are they, what are some things they might be trying to hide or what, you know, there are, yeah. there are like all of these different factors that, that go into an interaction with anyone. Mm -hmm. But then particularly when I'm in role of journalists and Often it's gotten a lot worse. Uh, I can't even imagine being a journalist these days. But even back then, you know, I mean, it's it's really intense. <laughs> but um, even back then, you know, a lot of a lot of times we are not to be trusted. Yeah. You know, and sometimes for good reason. I've seen I've seen a lot of reasons why people would not necessarily always trust us. But one of the things that I was really good at was, I guess, coming from a place as much as I could of authenticity. And just like, I don't know, just being really real with mm -hmm. people. And like when yeah. you look people in the eye and you and you talk to them like a real person and you just sort of break it, you know, most of the time what I would do is I would just break it down real simplistically. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, look, I have a feeling that you're feeling this way. And I get reasons why you might not want to talk about this. But hear mm -hmm. me out. Like, mm -hmm. here are reasons why I think it might be okay. Yeah. And here are reasons why you should trust me. Yeah. Even if you ha we've never even met. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or we've only had a few interactions. And Do a flashback to when we first met. And, and I was like, as she's just speaking so lovely and loving, lovingly to me. And I'm like, I don't know why, but I already trust you. <laughs> speaking about sussing out secrets of people, I would love, not that it's a secret, but I would love just for people to get to know your backstory and what led you to here because you've had a long history within journalism within sports tv like mm -hmm. the path that you were on before looks very different than the one that you're on right now and mm -hmm. and you going through your own mental health crises and 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 experiences I would just love for you to share that part of yourself sure yeah I mean we are definitely at opposite ends of the spectrum <laughs> 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 you know we're hanging out with uh you know uh 
yoga instructors and tarot readers and, you know, all of these mystical, beautiful, lovely humans. And then there are the athletes. <laughs> you know, very like, you know, alpha male, jocular sort of environment. Yeah. Uh, filled with testosterone everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, very, you know, it's really interesting. What's really funny is that I've looked, um, it's, I was looking at my demographics with my personal Instagram page and then with the beautiful bipolar Instagram page. <laughs> and they're polar opposites. It's like something like 74% identifying women, you know, with something like that with beautiful bipolar. And it's like these, it's like the exact Opposite. ratio uh, with my per- <laughs> because most people from my personal Instagram page fall, a majority of my followers were from my ESPN days. So, yeah. right. Means- sense but it's just it's yes I have like covered the whole rainbow I guess (laughs) but yeah I started I started I went to an art school actually and I majored in photography so I have and I come from a family of artists so I've always had this very creative background but I also grew up in Massachusetts a small little climbing town on the north shore of Massachusetts called Ipswich we have the best clams in the world (laughs) and I you know I I'm a I grew up a mass hole and most mass holes grow up with sports and sports are really big in Massachusetts Mm -hmm. and so I always enjoyed sports and was a fan of sports and when I graduated from college I sort of went through that post-college I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I interned for some photographers in New York City, but it just, I don't know. I just, I wasn't vibing. I, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I was actually, I moved back to Boston and I had lived in Costa Rica a few years prior. So my Spanish was okay. It wasn't fluent, but it was okay. And I, <laughs> I'm dating myself here, but that's okay. <laughs> so I answered an ad in the Boston Globe Classifieds for this sports wire service that needed someone who spoke Spanish. And Mm. I went to this office and they were, uh, they were a company that was the official statistician of all the minor leagues, minor league baseball, minor league hockey. And they also were the official statistician for the Mexican baseball league. Mm. And they were having problems communicating with the people down in Mexico and so I got hired, and this was a 100-year-old company because baseball's been around forever. Yeah. So I was hired, and I not only was the only woman in that office, but I was only the second woman in the entire 100-year history of that company to work there. Oh, my God. Yeah. I found that out much wow. later in my tenure at that office. But So you can imagine the culture that was mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. And I was 20, 22. Uh, uh Yeah, it was an indoctrination to the entire sports world, for sure. It was intense. Like, there was this guy who was sort of this hippie guy, loved the Grateful Dead, had a corner-like cubicle, and the entire cubicle was plastered in porn. (laughs) And I was like, you know, like, I don't personally have a problem with that, but I think that that's kind of strange in a business In the office space, yeah. And this company was owned by ESPN, too, and Disney. And I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) Also, who prints? I feel like that just takes the whole... That takes it to a whole other level of printing out... Things from porn. Oh, no, well, these were magazines. Built. Oh, I'm just ma- like oh, cut, yeah. cut out. like old school. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like he mm. would just take his his porno, like his porn magazines, and just like cut them out oh, and paste God. these collages. Like it was. Yeah. I was like, all right, word, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, and then like, and then a few months later, he was forced to take them down, and everyone blamed me, and I didn't even complain. But you know, it was like that was my first lesson, and like, okay. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that was that. That's how I started in the industry because I had this 
Spanish, you know, proficiency background of all things. And then I'm just such a competitive person that I wanted to, I wanted to do the best I could. I mm-hmm. wanted to be as successful as possible. And so I learned, I learned how to write. Uh, journal, you know, write. I learned how to write journalism. <laughs> I learned how to, I don't know, write stories and yeah. learned about a lot of sports that I didn't have, you know, the in-depth, like, nerdy knowledge about that uh, a lot of my peers did. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was sort of the beginning of my career. And then I, I, I wound up uh, going down to New York and working for the Associated Press at, at Rockefeller Center. And that was, that was a great that was a great move. And then I got hired by ESPN, the magazine, and that was my, you know, sort of, that was, that was it. I got into ESPN and I started on their investigative team because I had a lot of really good researching and reporting skills that Mm -hmm. were just sort of naturally there. And this was during the height of the steroid era. So broke a lot of stories and did a lot of work. And then I broke like a big story and they put me on television on, on their, their sort of long form uh, program at the time, which was called Outside the Lines. And I literally had no idea. I mean, I was a photographer. I was used to being behind the camera. Right. And I was so nervous. I wanted to vomit. I remember, I, I think I was 25 at the time, something like that. And I remember walking in midtown Manhattan to the studio thinking to myself, what the hell am I doing? Like, what am I going to... Do I do this? How do I do this? I've got no training. Am I just, am I just winging this? I yeah. guess we're winging this. Yeah, and they put me on camera, and I did okay, I guess. And um, and then that was sort of the beginning of, uh, well, you know, she's young and she's attractive. Maybe we can have her do more stuff on TV. And you know, I I eventually wound up at ESPN.com and was part of their long form investigative team, but wound up appearing on our morning show every week and did long-form TV takeout features and uh, was just really good at my job and broke news all the time. And, you know, one of the things I noticed um, in that industry was just, um, you know, it being so male-dominated and so middle-aged, like white cis male-dominated. And um, I was never going to relate to the middle-aged white guy, like front office types. So I just connected with the players and their agents. And that's that's how I, you know, really built my reputation and success. And but I did it for a long time and I got burnt out. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I kind of felt like I told all the stories I could tell in sports. And I left sports. I even hosted my own sports documentary show. I left ESPN and did that for a few years with us with a startup. And that was great. A lot of creative freedom, but I just I got burnt out. And mm-hmm. Uh, I went back to photography and worked for this amazing graffiti um, and street art blog called Animal New York. And also they cover politics. And are you familiar with Animal? I am. I live in New York and I'm also in the art scene. So I know all about that. Yeah, so know awesome. about Animal. That's so amazing. Yeah, That's okay. That's so cool. Yeah, Animal doesn't exist anymore. Um, yep. It was shut down, but, but Bucky, who was my boss and my friend, he started it. He's like, Bucky is this legendary New York City dude who basically is like the godfather of graffiti. He basically yeah. is like the encyclopedia of New York City graffiti. Oh, That's so cool. Yeah, it was, Animal was an amazing site, and I needed that. Mm-hmm. I needed to just sort of that... I just need that creative, you know, sort of, I guess, juice back. And it all sort of culminated in uh, the uprising in Ferguson. So I went to cover the uprising in Mm -hmm. Ferguson and did that for a week or two. Uh, I was 
you know, at the time I was also appearing on MSNBC and, uh, you know, was featured in the Washington Post for my coverage in Ferguson and came back and a few months later just had a total mental health crisis and, um, you know, had had sort of reached this really different sort of new type of success um, in this high profile way with with my work in Ferguson and then just hit like an absolute, absolute low, like the polar opposite. And because of it, I had to move here to New Orleans and I sort of lost everything. I lost my home, my job, my friends. Um, you know, I was in a very terrible relationship at the time too that was extremely unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of escape that. Um, it was intense and I had to restart my life here. And I knew that I did not want have anything to do with journalism I mean especially after that I just it was it it had been like 15 years of me going just so hard and at this high profile level Uh, you know when you work for ESPN you can't hide (laughs) um right you know I mean you know and all eyes are on you um you know for better for worse and yeah I just needed I needed it to I, I just needed a break and so I came here and I did not know what to do. I freelanced for a little bit, but that didn't feel right. I just need to get out of the business. And so I started bartending and I could go and bartend and leave that job at the bar. I did not take that job home with me. And that was its own sort of freedom that I hadn't had all those years. I always took my journalism jobs home. Always. I mean, I literally worked from home for most of my career. And so, and then, you know, just the intense pressure of it all. And there's so much competition and it's just so demanding. And so I, 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 yeah, I wore that job and the bar was great. I could just go and talk to people like the way I talk to people as a journalist but there were no stakes, <laughs> you know, there weren't people online yelling at me and calling me names, you know, because I didn't, you know, make drinks fast enough or, you know, I mean, there was just, it was right. just in its own silo. It was great. It was this freedom that I, um, you know, I really needed and it, it helped me, it created a safe space for me to sort of rebuild my life and, and also started looking for help, um, you know, mm. therapeutic help and, could not yeah I I even had insurance too and it wasn't great insurance but it was insurance Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there weren't that many options for for psychotherapists through through my insurance and and most of the ones I would call weren't taking any patients and there were a couple that I met with that did not (laughs) go well those sessions uh, to say the least, uh, it was not a fit. Let's just put it that way. Uh, and so, you know, and sometimes that's even worse because it takes a lot of bravery to oh gosh, yeah. say, I need help. And it can be a really scary thing. I mean, it is so stigmatized and for so many different reasons. And especially if you are not doing well psychologically, mentally, it, it can be even more difficult and that is rough. You know, you, you're, you're finally, like, doing something for yourself, and, and you know that this is, in theory, good, and then you sort of go in, you have an interaction that does not make you feel better and maybe makes yep. you feel worse. That's, like, that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, it just, you know, it took me a while to finally find a good therapist, and I finally did. And um, once I was in therapy for a while, I was eventually diagnosed with bipolar, and that 
and this is this is this diagnosis is coming late in my 30s you yeah know? so mm-hmm. this this was years of a lot of stuff going on with me that I didn't even realize was going on with me um you know the job helped push a lot of that away yeah or you know mask take your attention off of it at least right but it once that diagnosis happened, I was able to sort of at least have a little bit of a roadmap for what was happening with happening in my brain chemically and reasons for, mm-hmm. you know, just I don't know all the reasons for what was going on with me. Not all the reasons, but it just it was a it was a great tool um, to sort of begin with when trying to heal and yeah. So that was sort of my journey to I guess like you know from when I was just like a little baby pup reporter <laughs> to now like, okay, then how did she get into this mental health healing, you know, world? Yeah. And I, you know, I became a manager of a local bar and did beautiful, great work there with fundraisers and building community. That's really where I started sort of like laying down the foundation for community was, yeah. was, was managing this bar. And um, while I was still managing the bar, I start. I, I came up with the idea of Beautiful Bipolar and have been, I mean, it took me almost a year to come up with that name, for real. Wow. Uh, there were so but, many names I tried on. It's an instinctual thing, right? Like you, when you, mm. when it, when you, when you find it, at least for me, it was like, oh, this is it. I, I, I knew it. it. You know, I had tried on all these different names and there was one that I thought was it, but it just, there just wasn't that, that feeling in my gut that told me mm. this is it. You know, I was trying to convince myself that that was it, but it, <laughs> it wasn't. And, it, you know, as soon as I finally thought about it, 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 as soon as I thought about it, I immediately went and bought the domain and I signed mm. up for Instagram. I mean, I knew, I knew, I didn't even have to hesitate once I finally came up with that name. And it's very intentional. You know, I, I, I very much wanted to see the word beautiful before bipolar yeah. and I wanted hmm. the world to see that and that is ex- that is very intentional and you know I don't think it takes too much uh, to read into why yeah <laughs> you know I you know I people with bipolar um, which is a mental illness uh, are stigmatized and I think that that is just one one of the myriad ways in which I'm trying to sort of again reverse engineer that a little um, even if it's even if it's subliminal, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if I have stickers all around town, you know, with my with my company's name, or I have these resource cards that I've been making with all with a list of local um, organizations that take uh, that either offer sliding scale or free or Medicaid therapy, and it, you see beautiful bipolar when you walk into today the sneaky pickle a, a local vegan <laughs> restaurant i dropped a bunch of those resource cards there so people anyone who comes in the sneaky pickle right where they pay they see beautiful bipolar and mm-hmm. and that's you know whether that's something that's conscious or just is is going to be more of a subliminal message i don't care but yeah. it's out there and so yeah mm-hmm. that's it, it felt i just knew it as soon as I finally took, you know, 360 plus days of trying to figure it out. Once that, you know, once that finally came to fruition, I was like, oh, it's on. It's on. Let's go. Let's put this baby out into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think some of the some of the stigmas are for uh, people who have bipolar? Mm. So I was watching um, Death Becomes Her, that movie, the Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. You've never seen it? Oh. <gasps> 
Well, it's oh, Halloween have you season seen now. It, I'm going to see it. Have you seen Death I haven't Monster? seen it, but I've heard of it. Y'all. Oh, okay. y'all. You got to get on this. I'll okay. put it on my list. I'm, I'll put I'm it on my list. writing it down. So it's with Meryl <laughs> Streep and Goldie Hawn and Bruce Willis. Oh. And oh, yes. it's this just, it's uh, it's this amazing Halloween movie that's very campy and so much fun. Oh, Wait. Yes, I totally know this movie. I have seen this movie. Yes, you it have? is so okay. amazing. Like, they both yes. die, but then they come back to life. Goldie and Hawn they and Meryl have, Streep. It's like the, yes, I almost Meryl wanted Streep, to like, go. Meryl Streep steals Goldie Hawn's husband, who's Bruce Willis at the beginning, but then there's all, it's like, it's sort of like I'm revenge. It is yeah, like, it's good. It's actually, it's like dark comedy in a way. Very really dark, good. very campy, like dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So there's this one scene and I I had watched it recently again and I had forgotten. It's just so funny the way your perspective changes when you shift like in the world, right? Um, so now that I'm in these spaces consciously now, mm-hmm. I had forgotten that there's this scene where Goldie Hawn is essentially in a psych ward. And again, it's campy and it's dark comedy, so I get it, but it's just over the top mm-hmm. stereotypes of what people think a psych ward is and the people who are in the psych ward. Disturbingly over the top. Yeah. You know, when I was watching that, I, I mean, I love this movie, but when I, and I watched it the other day through this new or different, evolved, whatever you want to call it, lens, lens that I yeah. now have, uh, it was a bummer. And and again, I know where that movie's coming from. It's not a serious, you know, it's not supposed to be girl interrupted or anything, but mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> so that you asking me that question about, you know, like how you think, how I think, you know, bipolar is stigmatized. I think mental illness and bipolar um, in general are stigmatized in these very, very old school ways that have not changed ever in terms of how they're portrayed within the media in particular. And that's how so much of us consume Mm -hmm. everything. And uh, this is actually a foundation of my radio show because I have a new radio show. The Beautiful Bipolar Power Hour. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. You can cut that out in the edit if you want to, but no, no. I, I have no, no, no. self promote yourself. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's the Beautiful Bipolar Power Hour, hosted <laughs> by Amy K. Nelson. It's on 102.3 WHIV every Thursday at 1 p.m. We'll link it in the show notes. Thank you. <laughs> and so the foundation, one of the foundations for the show is this episode uh, on Amazon Prime with this show called Modern Love. Have you have you all seen it or yes. heard of it? Yes. So it's Modern so Love is a column, a pretty famous column in the New York Times, and it's exactly what it is. It's just columns about modern love. And there's a, it has a rabid following. I was never really particularly a big fan of it, but every once in a while, you know, if I saw someone link something on Twitter mm-hmm. that seemed interesting, I would read it. So they adapted eight of those columns into 30-minute television shows, one-offs. They're all separate different columns and a few years ago when this came out I was just at home one night by myself bored looking for something new to watch and I went on to Amazon Prime and saw Modern Love oh okay I'll give it a shot and I was going through the titles of each episode and episode three the title just like stopped me cold it says take me as I am whoever I am and the the description was extremely generic it was just something akin to, you know, young New York City single woman looks for love or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, super generic. And so, but the title was not. The title is what caught me. So, Mm -hmm. and it started Anne Hathaway. And I was never a big 
I didn't have thoughts on Anne Hathaway one way or the other, but I wasn't a fan of hers or anything. I was just like, okay, I'll watch it. So I start watching it, and about 10 minutes into the show, I think I literally said this out loud in my house to, to myself and my two cats. <laughs> like, is she bipolar? And also, are they going to acknowledge that she's bipolar? Or are they just going to dance <laughs> around the, the fact that she's bipolar during yeah. this whole show? And then about another 10 minutes later, they brilliantly do this big reveal where she does this like musical routine and they have this original song called I'm a Bipolar Girl and they have her come out and say she's bipolar and I was like oh thank god I would yeah. it would have been so depressing and disappointing had they not you know they were just tap dancing around it and then the last third of that show um shows mental illness and bipolar in a way, portrays it in a way that I have never seen ever um, in entertainment, television, movies. It was, for me, and this is a very individual experience, um, it was so realistic and uh, was, I mean, I just was sobbing basically yeah. for the last 10 minutes uh, of the show. And it was beautiful. It, it it's not even it's not even about humanizing people necessarily because I think we sometimes use that word way too much, but um, it really it, it did it did give her a humanity that traditionally anyone who's portrayed as being bipolar or having a mental illness does not get a dignity mm-hmm. and a humanity that so often we are stripped of um, in these types of shows and in media in general. Yeah. And I, as soon as the show ended, I immediately emailed my therapist and said, oh, my God, have you seen this? And if you haven't, please watch it, please, because we need to talk about this in the next session. And <laughs> here's, here's your assignment. Yes, yes, you've got homework. And I've never felt more seen. Yeah. And um, yeah. she had never, she had never, uh, she hadn't seen it, so she watched it and, you know, she... She's just like, yes, mm-hmm, yeah, it was really great. And that's about all I got out of her on that one. Uh, but um, my therapist isn't a huge talker. You know, she, she'll, she'll give me, she'll, you know, but she's, yeah, we're not like, you know, best gals, like having like a, you know, a combo like this. You know, there's just mostly me. Um, it's fine. It's great. Like, she's helped me a lot. I'm just saying. Wasn't going to be getting a whole lot of feedback on the episode from her. Um, but it also empowered me in this way that I was not expecting at all to because part of what Anne Hathaway does is that once she sort of has this breakthrough in the episode she starts calling all these exes and all these people and uh, the breakthrough is that she tells the first person in her life ever that she's bipolar and that person is a colleague who presumably will become her friend who wants to be her friend and sees her as Mm-hmm. a whole person mm-hmm. and like embraces her in the way that we all hope that we would have people in our lives do that. Yeah. And often a lot of people with mental illness do not. And they've had it either weaponized against them. I've mm-hmm. had that um, by some people close to me in my life. Unfortunately, um, the family and friends in, in our lives sometimes also struggle to understand it because of that stigma. Yeah. In part. Yeah. <laughs> and then there are a whole host of other reasons why. There's so many people who don't right. take mental illness seriously. Because it goes beyond the people who, who don't think mental illness exists. Like, I have people like that in my family, too. And when I... I've just been recently on my own ADHD journey. And that's been 
that's been huge. It's been something that I've known my whole life, I felt like. But people in my family are like, you don't have that. Like, you're just you. Like, you, you that doesn't exist. And I'm like, this is very real for me. And it feels, and it feels really empowering when you can actually put a, you can put a finger on something that has been a part of you your whole life. It doesn't necessarily change who you are, but it, it, it gives you some answers that are beyond your control. Yeah, and it's not, it's not, even though I'm running a company that's called Beautiful Bipolar and I'm, I'm, I'm out, everybody, hey, it's me, you know, I can't, I'm not hiding, right? Um, it's not the, the, the sole definition of my personality or my identity, mm-hmm. but it definitely, it, 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 it helps. Mm-hmm. It, it helps, it helps give some definition, but not everyone is, is on board <laughs> with the definition, as you were just right. talking about. Yeah. And that can be really lonely. It can be very, it can be deadly for, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, this is like, this is life and death stuff. And right. that's part of why I'm, I'm in this space is because it is really serious. And I myself have had struggles with being supported in the ways that I needed to be supported and that can be really isolating and really scary and I just made a decision that I was going to do my best to try and help other people and I knew with my background you know with what I used to do that I had some advantages in that way I you know being Mm -hmm. a member of the media being someone that people used to kind of pay attention to, like they thought I was important or something. I don't know why. <laughs> it was so dumb. When I, I'll never forget the first time I was ever on television, uh, our morning show, which was very powerful and still is at the time. And I walked into the Red Sox clubhouse that I used to cover frequently. And there was a player who literally I had covered for four years and never had addressed me by my name or even remotely tried to have a BS like, off the record one-on-one conversation with even though I tried and I walk into that clubhouse he's like Amy what's up how you doing I was like wow that is the the seduction of television and the power of television and it was it was amazing how much it changed overnight people just you know like they think you are more important than you really are it's like (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like I'm not that important y'all but I'm just just being put on tv yeah I'm a normal person I'm still being perceived yeah totally (laughs) because they think you have more power and like to a degree you do you know I could say whatever I I could diss these players if I want to so I know that was part of it but I knew that I had a little bit, even though it's been years since I've been a journalist, I still had that background and um, the media training and all those things, right? So I, I felt that I was in a good position to sort of make a difference. I know that's really cliche, yeah. but um, no, you know, I mean, that's, and, I'm, and I just started, like, I, I feel like there's so much more I want to do. Um, you know, th- those are those are the thoughts that keep me up at night sometimes is, you know, how how can I get this to the next level where we can help more people? And it starts in New Orleans, but I want it to go beyond. You know, I think that this is something that's really necessary at these conversations and providing um, these healing services to people and or yeah. just information, just information about them, even if we're not directly mm-hmm. giving them the healing services ourselves. So, yeah, that's sort of been kind of the weird roundabout way that I'm here yeah. now, like in the studio talking to you. Uh, we it's, love it's, it. It's so strange. but I, I mean, know, I have to say, um, you, the way you were even, I, I keep circling back to one of the first things that you said that keeps coming into my head every time you talk. Um, 
when you were defining beautiful bipolar, you were using key terms like mental health and community, like very close and hand in hand, which I think is so important and still somewhat, I, I would say after the pandemic, it's a little more out there, but it is still taboo in the way we're like, I don't think we get enough recognition about how important it is to have a community or have a safe space or have an environment that you feel good in or a supported system for you to find out more about yourself and your mental health and the way that you think, because it's always going to be different than the next person. And I, I just, I, it gives me chills when you even talk about that stuff because we don't give it enough attention where it really like my favorite line ever is always be like, it takes a village. And I know that talks a lot about motherhood, but I see it as in a way of like to make any person feel good and feel seen. It takes a village. It takes so many people to like support you and be there just as much as yourself. And, and that's the whole point of like spirituality too and wellness. And so like hearing you be like, this is beautiful bipolar and this is why I'm doing it. And you using those words, I'm just like, okay, this is her purpose. I see it. This is great. Like I just, it's so beautiful what you're doing, like truly. And you, I love how you just said to feel seen because mm-hmm. I feel so many people, particularly the pandemic has only made this worse, do not feel seen. Um, whether it's within their own families or their friend circle or just community at large, one of the one of the very intentional things that I've done with Beautiful Bipolar is try to make it as inclusive as possible. So when you walk into an event that we host, whoever you are, you are going to see yourself somewhat represented there. Oh, that person kind of looks like me or that person, you know, like it's just so important because the mar- the people who, who are who live in and are from marginalized communities are the ones who so often are able to access these services the most. They get they get the fewest opportunities to get professional mental health services or holistic healing services. And that was also a very big foundational part of what I wanted to do and it creates an ecosystem and it truly involves all parts of our community or as many as possible as I can <laughs> as I can convince to come to these events that will feel comfortable and feel welcome yeah. because it's already a leap for so many people just to step outside and leave their home and then okay now I have to interact socially with people how do I do that right so many people <laughs> so many people have have anxiety around that or have their own isms that they're they're coming into this event with and I am super cognizant of that because I have my own and I so I throw these events trying to think of as many people as possible and different scenarios and trying to put them at ease as much as possible and I think that when you come to these events it really truly is everyone who's there we're all working whether you're working the event or you're just there you know visiting the event, attending the event, we are all sort of transferring this energy to one another that is really intentional and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that I put something out in the world. I have no control once it's out in the world, right? I do my best to put, you know, put it in a position to succeed and be beautiful. But it's like truly about everyone coming together to do that, which is like all about, it just circles back to community. And I don't know, I... I think it really shows to your strengths, though, like you playing to event planning. And of course, you you bring all these people. And once you 
release everyone and say, open the gates, you know, let people do their thing. Everyone is going to do their own beautiful thing, create and share whatever they want Mm. to share in that space. You are really a catalyst for, I mean, of course it's your baby, but you're a catalyst for making the space what it is. Of course you bring people into that space, but it wouldn't exist without Mm -hmm. the dedication and the the intention, like I said, the beginning of this, like the intention that you put into it is just very tangible. And Mm -hmm. I can say from just personal experience of walking into what I think when I walked into like my first one of your events and Albert was with me and we're just like looking around and we're like, this is just like so beautiful, (laughs) which is so funny because it's like beautiful bipolar, but like it it really is between the music that's there, the, the people that you have who are bringing food or drinks or or their own healing services. And you can tell that the people who are coming into these things are from different walks of life too, which is such a cool thing because usually if you have an event that is like this is a healing event, you get a very niche audience. Mm-hmm. But I think as like as this grows, you are going to just see so many people who come in and I swear, like as soon as somebody steps into that space and the re- sees the resources that you have and all the time and energy that, and love that you've put into it, it's hard not to not to just soak in it for a while. Even if you're not going to buy anything, even if you're not going to do anything. Like when I showed up, all of the healing uh, sessions were taken, but we were like, we're just going to sit on a bench and enjoy it because it just felt really good to be in that space. And there are so many people who who they're. A, a lot of those spaces don't exist, especially coming yeah. out of COVID. It's hard yeah. to find any sense of live in-person community. So I just, I'm just really thankful for what you do and I'm really excited to watch it grow. I'm really grateful that you just came right up to me at the Sax Kicks Ab show because (laughs) this is why everything I think just happens for its own reason. Um, Of course. And if we have any part of of sharing your story and what you're trying to do, I'm really grateful that we get to help you do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, first of all, thank you for seeing that. Right. Like that feels it's not just me being seen. It's, you know, it's beautiful bipolar, the community, but seeing everyone. Right. It, it, mm. It's if we're going right back to that feeling seen thing, because it's so important um, that that you were able to come in and feel that and see that. And it's it's a it's an acknowledgement of everyone, mm-hmm. everyone who is part of this. And that's yes, I started this. Yes, I I am in charge of curating it. And I love how you even saying I'm in charge it goes back to when in the beginning you're like I'm the CEO. No, you're the CEO of Beautiful I Bipolar. No, I got it. See, see, this is good. This is good practice. Yeah. I need to just be the boss lady who comes in and is like, all right, y'all, look, listen, this is how it is. But yes, I am in charge. And, but it's 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 you know something that's really fascinating in this work too is in my old profession I was always the center of everything and literally I'm trying to decenter myself <laughs> as much as possible and it's challenging you know it's at times I mean I'm hosting my own oh man when I had to post on Instagram the other day about me hosting my own radio show I had to take it out of third person for a second and go to first and I was just 
so deeply uncomfortable <laughs> with that. It's like, oh gosh, I guess I have to talk about myself. This is so weird. Is everyone going to be confused? What, what do I do? Uh, and then I eventually went back to third person. I felt, my, you know, we, you know, our, our brand, this is what we're doing, you know? So it is like, a, it, it has been a challenge to, to, to constantly try and take myself out of that equation because it's, it's, it's not that, that it's about the effort of having to do it's It's real though. Literally, this would not exist, and you wouldn't come into that space and feel those things were it not for every other single person showing up and showing up with intention, whether, again, it's conscious or not. Mm-hmm. And and I owe it all to our community. It's a beautiful gift that everyone who's been a part of these events has given all of us, mm-hmm. which is so the point. <laughs> this is, you know, it's just, it's... Life is really hard right now. We are in really dark times, and we have been. And sometimes it's hard to see the light and through all the stuff that's going on in this world. And I'm just such a staunch, staunch firm believer that if we are going to get a little bit better and things are going to get a little bit better, we have to help each other. We have to. There are so many people in this world who are just out for themselves and it's just not acceptable to me. I, and I'm, I'm, you know, this is about mental health and healing and wellness, mm-hmm. but just, just straight up, you know, from a societal standpoint, I just, it's not acceptable. And I'm trying in my little, again, my little corner of the world as much as I can to, to fix that a little bit. And it's, it's a credit to everyone else who comes into these events and it's part of the beautiful bipolar world, part of our community. It's a credit to all of them because they are all wanting that and doing that too, right? Yes, mm-hmm. like beautiful bipolar, the company is the catalyst for it. But again, it's everyone else really making that 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 beautiful that I don't know the the space creating this beautiful space for all of us. So that is my goal going forward is that we're just able to do this more and we are able to support one another more and uplift one another more and be kinder really I know a lot of people think that's cheesy but I'm sorry it's not kindness is not corny and I think we need it more now than ever and I hope that that is sort of the baseline of whatever beautiful bipolar becomes and we'll see what it becomes but I have I have have big plans so yeah <laughs> I'm excited for all and every single we are we are both so excited so I honestly just want to say one more time like super grateful to have met you and to have you on the podcast you are you just you your energy fits right into our energy which just makes it that much easier for us to like support you because it's like oh my god now we're just like like now we're like you don't understand Cal Andy and I even though Andy's not here like we are now going to be like die hard for you like die hard fans like always no it's all mutual all of us yeah I feel like getting to hear more of your story because like we've hung out before but like I feel like I've never gotten to hear like your full like in depth as Mm. much as we got to go in and I'm just like sitting over here like I wish people could just see me just beaming over at Amy. <laughs> no, I super appreciate it because, you know, it's it can be scary mm-hmm. uh, talking about this stuff. Even though I'm in yeah. these spaces now, it's still, like, for all the reasons we were talking about, it can be scary. And I really appreciate y'all um, being a place where I feel safe and, like, that I can talk about this. And it's it's what y'all are doing 
is really important and just as important as well. Um, we need more of this. We do. All of it, you know. Um, and there's a reason why we all came together because of what y'all are putting out into the world and creating safe spaces and loving, kind healing spaces for so many other people mm -hmm. so it's just you getting a taste of your own energy because that's what I that's what you give other people and you know I feel like even if people aren't ready to be open when they come into your space or into an event I think in time and when they see other people really embracing and owning their own mental health and and their own journeys you know that's all we need. We all just need more examples of being open and being vulnerable. And I think that's what really helps us to change. Change happens so slowly, especially in, in acknowledging mental health and where we need to be. Because we're definitely not, as a society, where we, where we should be. <laughs> but the last question that I want to ask you, which it's totally beside the point of anything that we've mm -hmm. done, but is there any sort of mantra or saying that you've been really attached to lately or something that you kind of resort to that you say to yourself to keep yourself grounded or bring yourself back to center? Yeah, take a moment. Think yeah, well, actually, I had a, an immediate answer for you. And then the question, I, but I, I'm, I think this is applicable no matter what. Well, I'll tell you. So <laughs> my first initial reaction was the thing that I have been saying to myself um, so much. In fact, I went to a, a friend's photo uh, closing show. He had, a, he had an art show. And there was this wall of uh, beautiful uh, different colored paper that was up against a window. So it was backlit. And he, he wanted everyone who was at the closing show to either draw something on the paper or write something. And I was being all demure for whatever reason. He's like, Amy, just just put something up on the wall. I was like, okay. <laughs> and what I put up on the wall is something that I have been saying to myself from the jump about this, but have been, but also say this to myself at least every day, you know, is that community care is self-care. And it, it, yes, it's very in line with our whole conversation about my business and beautiful bipolar. Um, but I think it, it really, it, it comes back to me, myself also needing community being in a place in my life where I really need that as well and and how much it helps me. And I know if it's helping me, it's helping other people. And that really is grounding. It, 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 it literally gives me uh, a baseline to always return to. And if I ever am getting off track or feel that I might be a little unmoored, which we all feel at certain points, um, I go back to that. I go back to that. And so, yeah, community care is self-care. I, I really, really believe that. I think out of everything, that just shows how, how, how much you've embodied the work that you share, mm. the fact that it does relate so much to what you're doing. And after hearing everything that you've shared with us, I'm just really happy that, you know, from the outside looking in, I feel like you're really in alignment with your passion and, and your best self. And that's just a really beautiful thing and like an inspiration for other people to be hearing this and to listen to your story yeah. to, to know that they can, you know, choose their own path and, and change whenever whenever they feel like whenever they feel like they need to. It's been a journey, y'all. <laughs> you know, this did not just happen overnight. You know, it's been it's been a journey, but um, you know, I'm here and I'm I'm just trying to, I'm trying to help the best I can. Mm -hmm. 
Um, besides Instagram, what's your Instagram handle again, just for those who are listening anyways, that they can reach you or get in touch with you at beautiful dot bipolar is our Instagram handle ours. It is our handle and that's how you can reach us best. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm also at Amy K Nelson, but beautiful bipolar is really the, the best place to, to, to find all the work that we've been talking about. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much again. I'm so grateful that you took the time out of your busy life to come sit down and just be really open and raw and vulnerable with us. Anytime. Anytime, y'all. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. We'll see you all later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We appreciate you and love you so deeply. We couldn't do this without you. If you want to find us in real time, you can go to our Instagram at Soul Women Podcast. Send us any messages, questions, comments, or concerns that you may have or new episode ideas. We love to hear from you.